We're reading from two passages this morning. So if you want to uh, put a placeholder in 2 Thessalonians 3, uh, starting at verse 6, and then once you've got that placeholder, move with me to the Old Testament in Proverbs, and we're in chapter 6, and we're reading verses 6 through to 11. So starting first in Proverbs chapter 6 and at verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And if you want to turn with me then to 2 Thessalonians, and we are in chapter 3 and reading from verses 6 through to 18. All right, starting at verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and toil, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Uh, I don't know what you think of graduation speeches. Um, You know, those speeches meant to inspire a student to sort of take that, you know, that step into the future, uh, taking that job pursuing that career, and you've probably seen it when uh, famous people or actors come along and give their graduation speech to the students. I guess I wouldn't mind, you know, say an Avenger coming along and telling me about, you know, the future of life, Uh, but for a lot of speeches, there's generally a common thread that goes through them, and I'll just give you some examples. Here's a few. This first one from Leonardo DiCaprio. He says, if you can do what you do best and be happy you're further along in life than most people. 
or Ryan Gosling said, it's important not to limit yourself. You can do whatever you really love to do, no matter what it is. Uh, Timothy Charlemagne says, we're only here for so long. Be happy, man. You can get hit by a truck tomorrow. And uh, just one more from, uh, from Oprah. She said at a graduation speech, learn from every mistake because every experience encounter, and particularly your mistakes, are there to teach you and force you into being more who you are and then figure out what is the next right move. And the key to life is to develop an internal, moral, emotional GPS that can tell you which way to go. Now, you know, a lot of these speeches, when you hear them, there's similar themes, right? It's about freedom. It's about happiness. It's about pursuing what you're passionate about. And I'm not against freedom, happiness, and pursuing things that you're passionate about. But as we wrap up this series, Guidance and the Voice of God, um, what we're going to see, or what we have been seeing really, is that the true God... Our Lord Jesus Christ offers a different way for guiding us in how to live. There's a better way, in fact, in terms of working out uh, choices to make, um, decisions, decisions to make. And when everyone's goal seemingly is happiness and freedom, are people actually more happy and free as we think around culture around us, I'm not so sure about that. So in fact, there really is something to living God's way with his plans and his guidance and his word to us. Now, this is what we've covered in this series so far over January. Uh, we've covered God who guides us, walking in the will of God, how God guides us, the way of wisdom, and today, finally, what work should I do? We could have picked any issue really, but work, work's a pretty big issue for, 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 for all of us really. So it seems like it's a, a useful thing to sort of make it practical to finish up today. So let's get into this. Here's, here's the first point, and it's an overarching point. We're going to break it down a bit, but God's word and our work. God's word and our work. Now, this is going back to the last few weeks, really, but we've seen that, well, God is in control. God is sovereign, and he is good. So whether you have success in that job interview or whether you flop in that job interview, he loves us with an incredible love. Christ died for us. So whether you're, you know, you're a bank teller or a brain surgeon, it actually doesn't matter in the end. He calls us to follow him. And when you start living the Christian life, you discover the things that we tend to spend a lot of focus and time on, you know, like deciding what work to do, choosing my career. It's not that God doesn't care about those decisions, but his big priority, his big agenda for us, his people, well, it's Initially to put our trust in Jesus, to repent and believe, trust in Jesus, and then to keep on uh, repenting and believe. And then we become more like Jesus. Uh, we've looked at these words a couple times, and we come back to them again in Romans uh, chapter 8 where it says this, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed 
to the image of his son. That means even in trial, even in times of real suffering. See, as we await Christ's return, this is what God really uh, is about with our lives, that we'd keep trusting in Jesus and obey Jesus and be more like Jesus. That's God's plan for us, to be conformed to the image of his son. And nothing, nothing can stop God's plan. Uh, Is that relevant as we think about work? Well, it sure is. Let's now break this down a little bit further. Let's, let's sort of go into this in a few different ways. The Bible, well, says a bunch of stuff that we can apply to being in the workplace. But fundamentally, the biggest direct reference to the Bible to work is that we should work. Uh, the Bible talks about getting a job because it's meaningful and it's mature. Uh, work is meaningful You see see this in uh, the picture of God's creation of the world. Uh, The picture is there we got is that uh, God worked and then he rested. It's not that God got puffed. It's just that God was giving us a pattern really. Um, And to that first man and woman, he gave an instruction about work. And just listen in where he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. It's a compact little statement full of meaning, but includes this idea we're we're to go out into this world and, and bring order. We're not merely the smartest animals on the top of the food chain. Men and women are made in the image of God to represent God, to sort of follow his pattern, uh, where to go out um, and have dominion and go about our endeavors and serve and make and create and work. Work is meaningful. We're designed for it. It's part of God's good creation. Without work, uh, there's inner emptiness. Ask anyone who retires, and if they don't manage things well, they'll say how bored they are. If you make it your goal to complete Netflix, you'll eventually realize how unsatisfied you are. We're made to work. There's dignity to work. Work is meaningful. And work is maturity. Here's the other thing. Uh, We can think about the Proverbs passage before. Do you remember it? You know, uh, the word to the sluggard. Don't be a sluggard. Get out of bed. Get a job. It's how you get by in life. Uh, Paul says sort of something similar there in 2 Thessalonians, the passage we read. Don't sponge off others. Don't take from others in your non-activity. In your activity, provide for yourself. Provide for others. Now, the Bible's answer for why you should get a job, actually, when you think about it, now it seems quite different for the culture, our culture's reason for getting a job. Remember? Do what you're passionate about. You can do anything. Do what you love. Be happy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with finding that job that fulfills you, but it seems to me, because everyone's now after the job of their dreams... People can be so picky, they don't want to work or settle down and stick with it. Uh, 
People have more jobs in their lifetime than ever before. I mean, that's just the way it is. But when does that chase for personal fulfillment ever end? Uh, My granddad had a quarry. He crushed rocks. And then those rocks were trucked over to roads for those making of the roads. That's what my uncle, uh, that's what my uncle did. His job, because he got a job there as well. You know, if we asked uh, lots of men of older generations, did you feel, feel fulfilled in your career? I suspect they'd go, what? I don't think they'd even know what language we're, we're speaking. Uh, my granddad got a job, he earned money, To provide for his family, he came home at the end of the day, he had weekends, he took his family to church, and then he did it all over again. Is the pursuit of happiness in work and freedom and fulfillment making us more happy? You know, I know YouTube and Instagram just keep stoking this idea, there's a dream job out there for you, Um, but more than your happiness... So much more than your happiness, God wants your holiness. So get a job and provide for yourself and your family. When it comes to work, Christians need to recapture, I think we need to recapture this pilgrim attitude. Heaven is not on earth. Uh, Living the dream now is not our goal. Uh, We await Christ's return. In, in this time, we live in, we, the, in this life, work is meaningful, but in this sinful, broken world that will eventually be made good, work is also inevitably boring, frustrating, physically, mentally tiring, maybe even causes injury, full of temptation, strained relationships, and yes, perhaps enjoyable. And uh, young guys and girls, don't be afraid in talking to those who are older, you know, 20, 30 years into their career, and they'll tell you what work is really like. There's so much focus on what job, you know, suits me. Uh, People don't want to start at the bottom. They want that very sweet salary package straight away. People want to be noticed how awesome they are. Uh, Not saying there's anything wrong with matching a job to gifts and Uh, You know, interests and abilities. But if you don't ever settle down and put on your big boy pants and get on with it, even the grind of work, looking after yourself and caring for others, well, that's an issue for a Christian. This can be a maturity issue. We get a job because it's meaningful and it's mature. Now, we'll keep going with this, with this overarching theme, God's word and, and our work, I, I want to say there is a place also for not going to work. Uh, leaving aside sickness and disability, I'm talking about staying home to look after children. Uh, ra- raising kids is a very good reason not to go to work. And I know every parent, mother is laughing at me as if raising kids is not work. But I just want to open up this can of worms and say, this is valuable, God-honoring role that should not be looked down at all. It's part of God's call to the man and the woman. Remember, be fruitful and increase and fill the earth and subdue it. In that sense, parenting is work. And because we live in a sinful, broken world, parenting sure is hard and frustrating 
You know, we know, all know the stories. You know, your child paints on the wall and hits their sister with a doll and refuses to put on their clothes and, you know, parent life. Uh, you feel like you're stuck at home. That is real. But not working to do this work, it's good. I know for some this is a can of worms, but, but ah well. Have a look at this from Titus. It says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, uh, literally working at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. I'm not trying to make a point about professional women and stay-at-home moms. It's not about full-time work versus part-time work versus not going back to work. But we can devalue the good work of nurturing children. Church, let's take to heart this calling from the Lord. And I, and I say this to husbands. It's not always the husbands, but usually. Be, be wary in yourself of putting pressure on your wife, who's a stay-at-home mum, to go back to work. This may be reasons, but be self-aware. Why? Why do you want that? Are you valuing the good work that your wife is doing? Now, we're talking about God's word and work. There's a reason not to work. Here's one more thing about on this topic. Uh, rule out, ruling out certain work, your attitude to work, your relationships, and your heart with work. We're going to roll all of this into one, okay? Again, as Christians, we tend not to get messages from God, you know, that you shall be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Okay, we don't get that message from God. As a Christian, you can do any of that. It sort of doesn't matter when God's real purpose is to make us holy. But in pursuing holiness, we can drill into this some more from what God's word does say. Firstly, there actually is work that's not okay for Christians. It's not righteous. It's not moral. There is some pretty straightforward, clear stuff we get from the Bible. See, if you see a job ad for a call center and then in the interview you discover you have to call people and tell them that they've got problems with their internet and, you know, all of that, you know, just sort of run from that room as quick as you can. Okay, Christians are not supposed to scam people. You're not supposed to take advantage of people. You're supposed to serve people. Also, we're not to do work involving sexual immorality like working in the porn industry that enslaves people. Sort of obvious stuff from the Bible. Uh, you're not to be hitman for the mob, okay? The Bible's pretty against that as well. But also, it's sort of complicated and sometimes hard for Christians to work out. I, I know someone in the last 12 months after a time came to the decision they needed to get a new job because they realised their company wasn't very ethical when it came to dealing with clients. Always over-promising, get the sale no matter what. Our company was basically happy to lie. Our Christian brother called it out, 
but management didn't want to know about it. It was like he was in trouble now. He wanted to be righteous, so he had to move on. I know, I know another Christian, a doctor, who purposely didn't get training in a certain area so that they had no possibility of performing a procedure which would bring about an abortion. Because unborn life is life, it's precious. So there are decisions to be made in the workplace when you want to be holy. It can be challenging to work through. And there are some types of work that a Christian shouldn't do. But then after we rule out certain types of work, because we belong to Jesus and we want to be holy, then it's about how we go about that work. Don't have a lot of time to get into this, but the Bible says stuff that relates to your attitude to work, you know, like honest, hard work. Ephesians 6 verse 6 talks about, you know, work hard, not just when someone's noticing you, but work hard because you're serving the Lord. Or our relationships with work, like, you know, when you have a co-worker that you want to strangle, you go to a passage like Colossians 3 verse 12, talks about God's, God's chosen ones, put on compassion, and kindness and humility and gentleness. But the one, I, the one I want to spend a bit more time on is your heart matters with work. Your heart matters with work. Now, I think in our culture, especially young, younger people, there's a growing awareness, the impact of companies and economies and markets, uh, how all that impacts the environment and communities. As an example, perhaps there'll be someone who doesn't want to work in the fast fashion industry because it just ends up trashing the environment and abusing overseas workers. I mean, that's a valid decision. Or or a person doesn't want to work for a petroleum company because of climate change. That's a valid decision. You know, there's an awareness of working conditions and supply chains and environmental impacts. People want to make a positive impact for the world out, out there. But at the same time for the Christian, let's also be aware on how work can impact on our heart in, in here. Now, even the cleanest, greenest, most socially responsible, low-carbon footprint job is not going to change how work tends to cause a problem in our own hearts. Talking about status. Talking about pride. Uh, Being honest with ourselves. You know, work tends to create a social pecking order, doesn't it? You know, we ask them, so what do you do? And we end up using their response to gauge where they stand in life. You know, how do you think of someone who wears high-vis and drives a forklift versus someone who wears a stethoscope or is a creative creating videos or back to stay-at-home mums do you think getting on with a career is automatically better the bible says little about the job we do but it does urge us to find our significance and our value being created by god and being saved Uh, Being belonging to God through Jesus Christ, that we're his sons and daughters together. Uh, The book of James says something about this. You know, it talks about not being overawed by wealth and status. It says believers, that's believers in our Lord Jesus, in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Since they'll pass away like a wildflower. 
Now, what, what a beautiful thing it is when in church I see that our jobs and our salary doesn't matter so much. I, I see it you know, in growth groups as people befriend one another. As Christians, we need to continually put aside the way culture wants us to stay within our levels of career and money and status. Let's work to relate to each other according to what actually matters. Uh, church is brothers and sisters in Christ. Now that's all God's word and work. I, I want to go into something else now and that is wisdom and work. Now, this is applying last week's topic. We talked about applying wisdom in making decisions when there's a tough decision to be made rather than expecting God to send us a sign, a dream, some feeling of inner peace. We put out a fleece or something. No, we actually apply Christian wisdom. Uh, If you're here last week, you remember Christian wisdom includes prayer and can include actually seeking counsel from others. I reckon when it comes to work, it's one of those areas where we do benefit when we talk it out with others, yeah, it could be a career counsellor, a mentor, someone at work who's further into the career, who can be honest with you, a parent. A parents can be handy sometimes, i just got to say. Uh, helping you to reflect on options and ideas and what might be best. As a parent of one, high school, one person who's already left high school and as another soon to leave high school, I think it can be pretty hard to work out what to do. So talking it out can be really helpful. But a word of counsel from a Christian can include things like how much time this particular work will take up. You know, with this, expect, with this promotion, what is the expectation of extra hours that we put upon you? Now, there's nothing wrong with getting up early and working hard, putting good time in, but how many less hours will this job mean with your family. See, not every exciting opportunity is wise. That's a challenging issue, isn't it? Because some jobs just demand lots. But as a Christian, you have to be purposeful. You have to fight for it in making sure that you can be home when you need to be and you're getting to church and you're setting that as a priority. What about taking a job that moves you to another town or maybe another country? And that'd be exciting. That'd be something new, right? But just because it's new, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wise. Now, wisdom will take into account maybe emerging responsibilities of caring for aging parents. Uh, Christian counsel would include, uh, will this job transfer? Uh, Will it take you to a place where there'll be a good Bible teaching church where you can serve in and grow? Or just say there's no Bible teaching church there. Or maybe you're going there and you're committed to actually supporting church plant that will be starting in that city. But career shouldn't cost us weekly, involved, structured Christian fellowship. You know, when a job is offered and the big money's promised, incredible opportunity, we can be just helped by taking a deep breath, slowing it down, and talking it out with others, talking out with a Christian brother or sister, in the freedom we have to take all sorts of work, there is God's word and there's also Christian wisdom. And now I want to just end on one other point, and that is another reason not to work. I'll say another reason, 
Because earlier we talked about raising and nurturing children in the home, which is a type of work anyway, just that you don't get paid to do it. Uh, And now this other reason not to work is also for another type of work. And that's what we could call gospel work. The distinctly Christian work of teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus. The work of participating in the labor of proclaiming Christ for people's salvation. See, the New Testament talks about this type of work that has eternal value. Going to get us to look up a couple of passages in 1 Corinthians. It'll be on the screen. This first passage comes just after the Apostle Paul has talked about different people involved in different ways in establishing and building the church. And it says this, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they'll each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are, God's work, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Now, notice that phrase, co-workers in God's service. In the building of his church. Now if we go to the end of this letter, there's an interesting link. There's another mention of work again. After writing about Jesus' resurrection, his victory over sin and death, the Apostle Paul says here, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Notice that, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now let's be clear, there's no you know, lesser, greater souls. You know, the painter or the preacher, you know, the maintenance worker or the missionary. We're called to get on with serving and loving and providing for our families. Work is meaningful, work is mature. But there is this work of the Lord for every Christian because we know it has eternal value. Christ was crucified. Christ was raised. He wants people, well, God wants people to know Christ. And we give ourselves to that work. It's going to shape our lives. It'll even affect our normal work. You know, we talked about RI before at Eaton Seal. I know some of those RI teachers are giving up hours of paid work to do this other work of telling the kids about Jesus. I know some of you have made career-limiting choices so that you can always be here on a Sunday. You know, just the hours put in to help building community here, teaching kids and youth about Jesus, making sure ministry happens. We give ourselves to the work of the Lord because Jesus has risen, our labor is not in vain. And I I say this to those who are retired or soon to be retired. Uh, Health and, you know, physical ability will play out. You'll need to slow down. That's a reality. But retirement from paid work shouldn't mean retirement from the work of the Lord. We want to be devoted to it. Engage in Christian community. Participating in ministry where we can. And also there are those who completely have their normal work put aside. Pastors and missionaries, even uh, even ministry trainees 
who are given financial support from those who are doing paid work so that with the gifts and the opportunities they have, those missionaries and pastors and ministry trainees can give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. And I want to say ministry traineeship is a good thing here at Christ Central. It's worth supporting. It's even worth doing. Again, all work is meaningful. God wants us to work. You know, a lawyer, a teacher, involved in IT, fixing roads, it's all worthwhile. It's all good work. But you can fix that road and that pothole will appear again. Even a doctor, you can make someone well again and they'll eventually get sick all over again. But if those same people, you know, the lawyer, the teacher, the doctor, the road worker is involved in the work of teaching Jesus. That's of eternal value. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. So we come to the end of the series, uh, Guidance and the Voice of God. In, in some ways, uh, this series has been about wanting to put to, I guess wanting to put to bed some flawed thinking and how we should expect God to guide us as we make decisions. As if God will send a dream, give this feeling of inner peace. We have to judge between God opening doors, closing doors, hearing a voice. Uh, this series has been about exposing an unhelpful way of trying to live the Christian life. As if we're left in the dark trying to work out God's secret will for our life. But this series, I, I hope has been more than the negative. I hope you've seen the wonderful positive, that God is sovereign. He loves his people. He speaks. As the start of Hebrews says, in his last days, God has spoken to us by his son. Jesus came for us. He's God's message. And in the Bible, we have God's final message written down for us. We're not left in the dark stumbling around trying to work out what to do with our lives. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We have the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit who speaks God's truth to us. And God promises to bring about his plan. All is redeemed will be brought to glory when we'll finally be with Jesus and see him face to face and God's project to make us holy will be complete. We have all the guidance we need from our loving God. All the guidance that we need. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the many gifts you give us. Thank you for the gift of work. Uh, thank you that you've laid down a pattern and you've designed us to find meaning in our work. Uh, but Father, as an issue that uh, does fill our lives and um, can make us wonder, uh, we think about the future and what will be and we need to make decisions and we face um, decisions and hardships all sorts of issues with, uh, in the workplace. But Father, we thank you that we have your guidance. We have your word. We thank you that your plan is to make us holy. And so may we pursue that holiness. 
Help us to know and trust that your plan it cannot be thwarted, that you're our good God, that you're our shepherd, that you're constantly calling us to follow you. And again, on the issue of work, may our heart's desire be to be holy. May we be wise. Give us that wisdom that we need as we navigate all sorts of issues on the topic of work. But again, we thank you that you're our good shepherd and you call us to follow you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.